0: Well, good evening, Grace Church. It is so good to see everyone here this evening. Tell your neighbors, say, I'm glad to see you on Wednesday night. And of course, those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, so glad you've chosen to be a part of our service tonight. I know it will be a blessing to you. Why don't we stand together this evening and let's just take a minute? I'd I'd like us to to spend a few moments just ushering in the presence of God with praise and thanksgiving and prayer. And uh, if you have a need tonight, why don't you just make it known by the lifting of a hand God knows, God sees, and he's here to touch and to minister. I believe that tonight. Let's pray together. Uh, Grace Church, Lord, we enter into your gates with thanksgiving. We enter into your courts with praise, Lord, and we bless your name. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your righteousness and your holiness. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being in the house of God tonight and to be uh, in a place where we can study your word and fellowship with your people. Lord, we praise you tonight. Thank you for keeping us another day. Thank you, Lord, for keeping our families. Lord, thank you for keeping us close to you, Jesus. We have so much to be thankful for, much to be grateful for. Lord, I pray to anoint the service tonight. Lord, anoint Kids Church upstairs. Lord, touch every need that's represented. Lord, I believe you're here to work, and I believe you will work, Lord. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Clap your hands to Jesus before you're seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. You may be seated. God's doing amazing things. He's doing wonderful things. I'm glad to be a part of the church tonight. Uh, just one quick reminder uh, before, we, before we move forward in the service. I do want to remind everyone about Ranch Day. We mentioned this on Sunday uh, past. The, uh, Ranch Day will be on Saturday, October the 28th. And I know so many of you go and are a blessing to Brother Smith and his group. And if you can go this year, certainly want to make sure you know about it and that you can plan for it. And go and be a blessing, and they'll be a blessing to you too. There's always lots of great things to do, lots of good food, and I know you will be blessed if you're able to go. So mark your calendars for that. Amen. Amen. Pastor has announced that uh, he is starting a prophecy series tonight, a Bible prophecy series. I know you're all here to hear that, and he'll be coming to the pulpit in just a moment uh, to begin that and to share uh, what God has given him uh, along that line uh, in preparation and thinking about um, the service tonight in this series that pastor is beginning and in, uh, of course, looking at the, the updates and the, the, you know, sometimes hourly updates on the situation in Israel and all that's going on in our world. Um, I, I contemplated today some on uh, Psalm chapter 2. Uh, my mind went there and I, I just spent a little time reading that and And mulling over it, and the the bottom line, the long and short of it, in Psalm chapter 2, the the psalmist asks a question. He says, why do the nations rage? And and, and, and in my words, he says, why do kings and kingdoms plot and plan and make war and and come against God and his anointed? And the psalmist concludes basically saying that it's all a, a futile effort, that ultimately God will be victorious. And the very last phrase of Psalm chapter 2, after, after asking those questions and observing that, that the world is a dangerous place and that nations make war and, and leaders um, make decisions that, that are violent and, and, and bring uh, hopelessness and, and fear on our world. After all of that and, and concluding that God was, was ultimately in charge, he ends that psalm by saying this, Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Amen. So i I just tell you tonight, I'm resting in the assurance that no matter what happens, no matter uh, what happens in our world, and it may get bad before it gets better, and it may get worse before it gets better, but no matter what happens, God is in control. And I'm thankful tonight to be a part of the church because whatever happens, God's got a plan for the church. Whatever happens, God is going to rapture a church. I'm thankful tonight. To have my trust in the Almighty God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Alpha and Omega. Oh, if you feel that way tonight, one more time, clap your hands, lift your voice, and let's worship the God of our salvation.
1: Thank you, brother Dave. Uh, sounded like he had some preaching him tonight, and uh, would have been okay with me to just keep on going. Uh, Great to see all of you here tonight and thank you so much for being here. I'm very thankful uh, to see all of you and uh, uh, I really appreciate you being here tonight. Your faithfulness to the house of God and then uh, hopefully your interest in a little Bible prophecy and uh, to kind of explain what's going on in our world right now even as we speak. I want to jump right into this, and and, uh, I've taken these lessons and have shortened them uh, as much as I can to not keep you here for a long time. And there may be some I break into two or three parts. But um, I probably tonight won't start this off in the direction that a lot of you may think uh, that this is where prophecy would start. And I want to clarify that point, and this will be. Uh, Kind of an introduction before I read my scripture text. I'm not here tonight to discuss all that's going on in our world right now. You can see all that on the news. I'm not here to give you my opinions about Israel and uh, Hezbollah and Hamas and the Islamic Jihad and all that. Um, We may reference some of that in, in the time to come. But I, I want everybody to understand here tonight that my, my purpose in presenting this um, and, and a, a lot of people that, a little research I've done, a lot of people feel real differently about what's going on in our world today concerning the nation of Israel more so than they ever have. Uh, that is the people that uh, stay on top of it, that keep track of it. Uh, there's so much political upheaval in our own country. Uh, I will say from the very outset of this I can't find anything in the Bible to my satisfaction to to satisfy my uh, understanding of prophecy that references the United States I don't know where the United States will end up in Bible prophecy but I do know there's a lot of other nations that are mentioned and we'll talk about that Um, but this has the potential. Jesus said, told the Jewish people, and I would like to do a study with Mark, uh, Matthew 24 and Luke 21 uh, And as we go along with prophecy. A lot of this will depend, I suppose, on people's interest in it. Uh, I'd like to come to end-time prophecy, but I, I always like to do foundation stuff first, and that's what we're going to do tonight. Um, but Jesus said that you would hear of wars and rumors of wars. And then he said, but the end is not yet. I want everybody to understand on the outset of this, when you read Bible prophecy, when you study Bible prophecy, there's three parts to Bible prophecy that you must consider. And that is who prophecy is applying to. You have to understand that. There's prophecy concerning the nation of Israel. There's prophecy concerning the church. And then there's global prophecy prophecy and you have to be able to discern between the two or prophecy can take you down a path of, of no return uh, that is back to something logical and understandable and what have you uh, what I do with all of my might is stay in the mainstream of prophecy um, I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture um, I can't see a post-tribulation rapture I've, I've, I've never been able to understand that Uh, and then there's people that believe in a mid-tribulation rapture Uh, i can see a little better the argument for mid-tribulation rapture than i can post-tribulation rapture if you believe any of that that's your business to me it's not a heaven or hell uh, subject uh, requirement Um, i don't believe one to take you to heaven and the other one won't you can believe whatever you want to believe but i will ask you to please do not try to persuade me along those lines. I've heard the argument a few times throughout my ministerial life and um, I'm going to be as very very kind as I can, I'm not really even interested in hearing mid-tribulation or post-tribulation rapture. So if you want to catch me after church and try to make me your disciple, along that line it won't happen. So I'm just saving you some time and me some time and we'll shake hands and be friends and agree to disagree everybody good with that uh, and you have a everybody's entitled to be wrong I mean it's just I'm kidding I'm kidding with that uh, so let me go to my scripture tonight uh, I want to say one more thing about prophecy that is my very strong opinion and I believe I have a lot of Bible to support me Is God's first and primary concern is the nation of Israel when it comes to prophecy. It all revolves around that nation. Hence why I'm here tonight wanting to make this presentation to you and for the next several Wednesday nights as the Lord leads. So let me read my text tonight and then we'll move along uh, into our uh, subject matter. I want to go to Luke chapter 21 and beginning with verse 29. Luke 21 verse 29. And I want everybody to hear this reading. I want everybody listen to it with your heart, not just your head, but with your heart. Luke chapter 21, verse 29. And he, Jesus, <clears throat> spake to them a parable. Behold the fig tree. Everybody say the fig tree. And all the trees. What this scripture is implying is that there are strong, very prevalent players, if you will, and the fulfillment of end-time prophecy. The first priority is the fig tree. And if you study prophecy, if you study the Bible, you'll find out he's talking about the nation of Israel. And all the trees are all the countries that will also be a part. So pay attention to what's going on in Israel and to pay attention to what's going on in the other countries. And as we go through this in the next ensuing weeks, again, as the Lord leads Uh, We'll mention those countries. We'll throw some maps on the screen and what have you. Verse 30. When they now shoot forth, you shall know of your own selves that summer is nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. That phrase, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand, he is speaking to the Jewish people. And the kingdom of God, I believe in this verse, is his return to the earth at the end of the tribulation period to set up his earthly kingdom, the millennial, the thousand years of peace. If that's the case, then whatever's happening to Israel here is going to happen to us with the rapture seven years sooner. So if this is close for them, then how much closer is it is For us. Y'all understand that? So verily I say unto you. Verse 32. That this generation shall not pass away. What generation? The generation that the fig tree blooms. The Bible talks about when it buds. That's Israel becoming a nation. This generation shall not pass. Till all be fulfilled. That is the generation. In which Israel becomes a nation. Heaven and earth shall pass away. Jesus said. But my words. Shall not pass away and take heed to yourself, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unaware. And I believe there's people living on the outskirts, the fringe area of the church today, that are fulfilling this verse of Scripture. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Adam Clark's commentary reads verse 34 this way. To be overcharged is literally be made heavy. As is generally the case with those who have eaten or drank too much. Take heed that you be not rendered secure by an improper use of lawful things. Do not make this earth your portion. Expect its termination and prepare to meet your God. I want to introduce this series tonight and I just simply want to call it Behold the Fig Tree. I want to make the centerpiece of this presentation the nation of Israel but more precise than that the city of Jerusalem to understand prophecy and its meaning one must know God's primary purpose you have to understand this on the outset is to come and reveal himself again to the nation of Israel they rejected him 2000 years ago prophecy is going to be a conduit the fulfillment of prophecy is going to be a conduit through which he comes back the rapture is not the second coming He's not coming back. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. The coming back is when he's back on earth at the end of the tribulation period. Uh, So before that happens, you'll need to understand the tribulation period. You'll need to understand the rise of the Antichrist. And then you'll have the second coming of Christ. And there are some things that you must know about Israel, more specifically about the city of Jerusalem. If you'll remember when Jesus was about to um, fulfill prophecy concerning his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, he sat, on the, he sat on the mount, looked out over Jerusalem and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I have gathered you together as a hen doth her brood, but you would not. And there's coming a time of destruction on you in which one stone will not be left on the, on, on the other. And that's already happened. Jesus didn't cry from the top of the mount that day, saying, "Oh Israel, oh Israel." He said, "Oh Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem." His concern is the nation of Israel, but specifically, he's more concerned about the nation of Israel. I'd like for all of you to remember when Donald Trump was president, he wanted Israel to transfer their make their capital city Jerusalem, and he could not get. Netanyahu could not get the world leaders to go along with that and it is still uh, in its place been all these years since uh, Israel has become a nation uh, so Jerusalem needs to become their capital city and I believe that will happen eventually uh, it's too surrounded, it's too filled with too many many things right now I believe uh, for the city of Jerusalem to be ready to be the capital again But because of what we must pay attention to, what is going on with the Jewish people, primarily Jerusalem, remember that Jerusalem has always been the centerpiece of prophecy. It's what Jesus cares about. That's the place where he will ultimately end up to begin the millennial, the uh, final dispensation, uh, the millennial reign, the thousand years of peace. So he cares about Jerusalem. He's coming back. To Jerusalem, the Bible said, "With ten thousands of his saints." The psalmist said, "When the Lord shall build up Zion, He shall appear in His glory. When He shall build up Jerusalem, when He shall build up the house of God, uh, He will appear in His glory." And that's talking about His second coming. So tonight, my my focus is to talk about Jerusalem. Uh, don't think this is boring. We're going to go through some history. I know there's people here today, tonight that enjoy history. But most everybody here has a general understanding of end time prophecy, wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places, all of that. I want to go a different route tonight. And I want to focus on that wonderful city. I've been to it. I've visited there. Uh, that beautiful, beautiful city of Jerusalem. So tonight I want to look at some rarely read and sometimes even misunderstood Old Testament prophecies. I want to focus on some of these for a little while and give you a history of this amazing city and country. One of the most prolific miracles, in my opinion, outside the infilling of the Holy Ghost that God has ever done. Uh, You'll understand that here in just a few moments. Most of you will know what I'm about to present, but I want to say it anyway just to make sure we're all on the same page. I will use throughout prophecy things that you can understand based on our calendar. What you need to know is Israel doesn't use our calendar. They use their own calendar. We're in 2023. Their calendar begins around the time of Adam. What they believe when they believe Adam was created. And they've come all the way up to now. So they're in 5,000 something. You can Google it on your phone after we're done with Bible study tonight. But I will, I'll use our calendar that we use. So <clears throat> we all know that Anno Domini is AD. You'll have, we're in 2023 AD. When you get before the birth of Christ, you have BC. Um, so we'll talk about something happening in AD and BC tonight. And I just want you to understand if it's AD, it's the year of our Lord or the year that our Lord was born, they believe. Uh, is AD. BC is before Christ. So before Christ are designations used to label or number years in the Julian or the Gregorian calendars. Uh, um, the United States uses the Gregorian calendar. It came from Pope Gregory and uh, we've adopted that calendar, have used it that, that when they believe the earth revolves goes around the sun in a year. The AD or the Christian calendar era is based On the traditionally reckoned year of the conception or birth of Jesus. With A.D. counting years after the start of this era. So A.D. is after the birth of Christ. And B.C. denoting years before the birth of Christ. Understand with me tonight, there is no zero A.D. And there's no zero B.C. You have one A.D., year one A.D., and you have year one B.C. But you'll also need to remember, if y'all have watch my fingers, it might help illustrate it. And I'll do it from my point of view so I can keep it straight. Starting with AD 1, we increase in years all the way to 2023. So it goes from 1 to 2023. In the Old Testament, you go from BC 1 or 1 BC and the years go backwards. So... We go forward from Christ's birth till now. The Old Testament calendar in the Bible starts at the year of his birth and goes backwards. The numbers rewind. So I hope everybody understands that tonight. So, this system, this dating system, was devised in 525 AD, but was not widely used until after 800 AD. And even after that, some, there are still other systems that are used all throughout the world. So let's begin tonight with a very common, uh, something everybody knows, a very common event that happened in history. Israel was overrun by the Roman 10th Legion between April and September of 70 A.D. under the command of Titus, Flavius, Caesar, Vaspecinanus, if I pronounce that right, Augustus. We'll just call him Titus. Titus. it was overrun, and this was the, what Jesus meant when he told the Jews, primarily his disciples. The Bible said that they took him out of the temple and stood him, set him down in front of the temple to show him all the buildings of the temple. That would have been Herod's temple. They were proud of it. They were thankful for it, and Jesus said, Well, I will tell you, there will come a time when there will not be one stone left here on top of another and this happened 70 in 70 AD, would be about 30 years or so later uh, that Titus came with the Roman 10th Legion and they literally leveled the city of Jerusalem. Uh, this was a huge fulfillment of prophecy. Um, I want to stop here and say in passing that there's, there's a religious group that believes that 70 AD was the tribulation period mentioned in Revelation, and we are currently living in during the millennial. Um, If that's the case, I'm really disappointed. I thought the millennial would at least be a time of peace uh, where the devil would be bound. Uh, But there's a group that believes that, and I I won't go much further than that with that. Uh, So after Titus (coughs) literally (coughs) completely destroyed the city of Jerusalem, everything in it, In 71 A.D., the Romans struck a coin that said Judea Capta, which means Judea has been captured. This is very important in Bible prophecy because there was something set in motion here that would take almost 2,000 years to stop, and that is the Jewish people being literally kicked out of their own homeland. And this, this is the beginning of probably the darkest time that the Jewish people have ever spent is during this time. <clears throat> I believe there were people that understood uh, what was happening um, and they couldn't stop it. And they, they understood what Jesus was talking about when he prophesied that some 30 years prior. And uh, it was happening now, it was on them now. Josephus commented that, and he was a contemporary of that time. He reports that Jerusalem was so thoroughly raised or demolished to the ground by those that demolished it to its foundations, he said, that nothing was left that could ever persuade visitors that it had once been a place of habitation. This is what Josephus said about Jerusalem and primarily the nation of Israel. Titus destroyed everything to the point where you could go visit that place and say there was nothing ever here. I want everybody to understand that. Titus took Jerusalem and everything it meant away from the Jewish people in 70 AD. It was flattened to the ground. There was nothing left. He didn't care. Uh, He destroyed it all. The Romans were fed up with the Jewish people. And their intent was not to necessarily annihilate the Jewish people, but to, to, to disperse them into all the nations of the world. And this was a huge fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy that we'll come to in just a few moments. But it didn't stop there. It didn't stop with Titus. In 30 A.D., when Emperor Hadrian vowed to rebuild Jerusalem from the wreckage in 130 A.D., he considered reconstructing Jerusalem as a gift for the Jewish people. The Jews waited with a lot of hope because Hadrian was considered to be a political moderate and kind of favored and had a heart of of compassion for the Jewish people but after Hadrian visited Jerusalem he decided to build Aelia Capitolina a new city where Jerusalem used to be and it was dedicated to Jupiter Capitolinus to whom a temple was built on the site of the former Jewish temple which was Herod's temple the temple mount which would be inhabited by his legionnaires Hadrian also decided to never allow the Jews to return into their city of Jerusalem ever again. He banned them. You can never come in here. It's interesting to me, and those of you in my Sunday school class, pay attention. Hadrian also banned the practice of circumcision. Um, And that's that's very interesting to me, and those that are in my Sunday school, school class will understand. Orthodox Jews were just angered they were incensed by this harsh decree and they our decree excuse me and they secretly started putting aside arms from the roman munitions workshops and soon after a revolt broke out under Simeon ben Cassiba this bar kokba not saying it like they do but you get the point which the romans managed to suppress enraged hadrian and he came to be determined to erase judaism from the province So not only now was he expelling and banning them from Jerusalem, he wanted them expelled and banned from that whole region that the New Testament calls Judea. Uh, Would be Judah. Uh, Those of you that are familiar with the Old Testament, not long after the death of Solomon, the nation of Israel split into two parts. The northern kingdom was Israel, the ten northern tribes. The two southern tribes were called Judah. Uh, This land was cherished by these Jewish people and, and still is to this day. So watch this. Hadrian was so determined to erase Judaism from that, from that whole area that, that the Judean province was renamed by him to Syria, Palestina, or Palestine. This happened, I want you to notice tonight, that this happened in 130 A.D., This isn't long after Jesus ascended into heaven, as far as that goes. And the Jews were banned from entering the city on the pain of death. He decreed if anybody enters that city, they will will be killed. They will be executed. Except on the day of Tisha B'Av. It's a Jewish fast day commemorating the destruction of their two temples. It was a day of prayer and fasting. He let them go. And just to remind them of what they had that they don't have now. And the Jews at this point, folks, I can't describe to you how hopeless they must have felt. They were against an invincible army with Rome now have expanded across that known part of the world. They were a mighty, mighty force of people, and the Jews had no chance of opposing that, ever coming against that, and what have you. In addition, Hadrian's new plans for the area included temples to the major regional deities, certain Roman gods, and again, in particular, to Jupiter, Capitolinus. Beginning in 132 A.D., two years later, the Jews revolted against the Romans for the last time. The revolt was crushed in 136 A.D., and it was called the Bar Kokhba Revolt. Most believe, pay attention to this, most believe, that this is where the difference between Christian Jews... I need a slide for this, please. Uh, Most believe that this is where the difference between Christian Jews that accepted Christ as their Messiah and Orthodox Jews that didn't make a distinction between them being Orthodox and not accepting the Messiah. This is where the difference between the two groups um, began. So after this revolt, Emperor Hadrian changed the name of the entire area to Palestine I want everybody to notice that the whole the, this all happened 130 132 AD that Emperor Hadrian changed out the whole name of that to Palestine the reason that was so offensive to the Jewish people is most commentaries I've read after believes that what we call Palestine what he called Palestine almost 2,000 years ago and it's still referred to, you still have pockets of Palestinian people and places they, they occupy. This was actually the same uh, race of people, if you will, uh, as the Philistines were in the Old Testament. is where Goliath came from. He was the giant Philistine. That's why this is so offensive to the Jewish people. So all Palestinian maps since then, referred to what was formerly Israel. They now refer to, to it as Palestine and never Israel. And the name Jerusalem was changed to Aliyah, capitalina. Uh, this went on for years and years and years and years and years and years. I also want to point out that even after, after the 70 AD incident with Titus completely mowing down Jerusalem and destroying that city, The Gentiles, after 70 A.D., in particular 70 A.D., the Gentiles had control of what was the city of Jerusalem, that area. They had control of it, which included the Romans, the Byzantines, the Muslims, the Crusaders, the Turks, and then coming into the 1900s, the British. So from 70 A.D. until the early 1900s, Jerusalem especially has been occupied and controlled by Gentile governments. So I want you to notice tonight, if we can go backwards just a little bit into the Old Testament, the first scattering of the Jews because of their rebellion and sinning and turning to idolatry and all that, because of their, their attitude. The first scattering of the Jews happened uh, not long after the death of Solomon, um, when there was a, a mighty revolt under his son Rehoboam And that's where the nation of Israel split in the Old Testament, as I just mentioned. And the northern ten tribes stayed together, and they retained the nation of Israel, and Samaria was their capital. The the southern two tribes became Judah, and they retained the capital of Jerusalem. So all throughout, not all throughout, excuse me, but through the latter part of the Old Testament, a good part of the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was split into two parts— And if you ever read a chronological Bible, you'll see where that happened, where you'll have one chapter that talks about what happened in the nation of Israel and you'll have another chapter that talks about what happened in the nation of Judah. Then you have Israel with the capital of Samaria and Judah with the capital of Jerusalem. After a number of kings for Judah and after a number of kings for Israel, finally God had had enough. And in 722 B.C., this would be 722 years, theoretically, before Jesus was born, when Assyria came and took Israel, the northern kingdom, the ten tribes, took them captive. Assyria back then is modern-day Iran now. So you see the feelings haven't changed. Y'all see that? Um, We understand tonight... If you're keeping up with any of the news and, and any of history or whatever, the Islamic Jihad, uh, the, uh, all of these, the Hamas, uh, all of these uh, terrorist groups uh, get their funding and support from the nation of Iran. Uh, the politi- our political structure and those who study it in modern times have said that Iran is the biggest state uh, that sponsors terrorism in the world right now. And these people are originally Assyria in the Old Testament. It's the same people. They, they, they've, they've passed that hatred of the Jews down from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. Through all of this time, some two to 3,000 years, this has gone on with these people. And it hasn't changed today. And Iran has said many times, and they're trying to use these little terrorist groups and what have you, they, they, don't, they don't just want the land of Israel for themselves. They want the Jews eradicated off the planet. They want them annihilated. They want them gone forever. That's how much hatred is in the heart of these people towards the Jewish people. So notice on the screen, the Roman invasion of 70 A.D. caused a lot of them to be driven out or to leave. Along with the invasion... Of 135 AD. So, between these two invasions by the Romans, by the time Hadrian came in 135 AD, he banned them from that area. Just get out of here. I don't care where you go, just get out of here. <clears throat> they were banned and they were dispersed. I believe they call it the Diaspora. They were dispersed into all nations of the earth. The Bible prophesied in the Old Testament that this was going to happen with them. But I want you to look at the last phrase. what you're seeing on the screen but God but God promised to bring them back one of the most phenomenal miracles in my mind in my heart that's happened in the Bible it's it's, got to be right up there in the in the at least the top ten these prophecies are important because you can now watch the news you can read books on post-World War II history you can look at a current map of the world however you want to frame it, but where for, all, for some almost 2,000 years there was no piece of property on this planet called Israel for that many years, now there is. Now you call that no small thing and it's a coincidence. I don't. When I went to Israel in 1999, our tour guide, name was Moshe, I referred to him many times through the years his grandparents, his grandparents, and when his parents were, were small, they literally walked from areas of Russia all the way to Israel. And they were a part of that original group in the early 1900s that started the Jews started going back to Israel to plant trees. Their big thing is planting trees. They want to plant trees. Um, I just watched a, a, a short uh, kind of a documentary. By a family who lost a loved one in one of these Hamas attacks. And the first thing they did after the funeral ceremony and all of that was went to that loved one's yard and planted a tree. They're still planting trees. It was a swamp. It had been neglected for all these years. It had been run over by the Gentiles all these years. And they wanted to bring it back beautiful to prepare a place for their Messiah. And they've been working on that since the early 1900s. Our tour guide in Israel, his family, was a part of that, that migration, if you will, that, that going back to the homeland uh, to rebuild it. These prophecies are important to understand. When you hear on the news about what's going on in Israel and you hear what's going on in Jerusalem and all of these cities, Tel Aviv and Haifa, and all these cities around Jerusalem, I want you to understand that for there was many, many, many hundreds of years that none of that existed and it's all come back it's all come back since essentially the early 1900s don't tell me that's a coincidence we're going back to 135 AD here so from then until the early 1900s it was pretty much a gentile run land that the gentiles didn't care about and ultimately became a swamp that was uninhabitable and the Jewish people have made it where you can live in it now so Again, for almost 2,500 years, the Jews had been dispersed, if you want to go all the way back to the Old Testament. This started with the Jewish captivity under Babylon, then Persia, then Greece, then Rome between the Old and New Testament, and almost 2,000 years since the birth and rejection of their Messiah, when God held the children of Israel accountable, and then using the Roman army, he scattered the people into all the nations around the world. They became a people without a nation. It occurred to me just studying this this week, The Bible said that he can create a nation in a day. But he can also make it not a nation in a day. It goes both ways. So they became a people without a nation. However, God said God said that he would one day regather the children of Israel into the land which he has given them as a nation. This prophetic regathering which this generation that we're living in right now is seeing take place in front of our eyes is to serve as a sign and a warning to the whole entire world that the apocalypse, the day of the Lord, draws near. That's where Jesus said, don't be caught living carnal and worldly and thinking everything's okay when it's not. You make sure your relationship with God is where it needs to be. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 11, the Bible said, It shall come to pass in that day, that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which which shall be left from Assyria, which is Iran, from Egypt, from Pathros, which is a region of Egypt, and from Cush, which is Libya, from Elam, which is Persia, modern-day Iran, and from Shinar, which is Babylon, Babel, Iraq, and so on, and from Hamath, which is Syria, and from the islands of the sea, And he shall set up an insignia, a flag, for the nations. And they shall assemble the outcast of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. We've watched that happen. If you're old enough tonight, we've watched that happen right in front of our very eyes. Isaiah 43 and verse 5 says, God said, Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. In Jeremiah, the Bible said, God said, I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries, whether I have driven them, and will bring them again to their folds.'" And they shall be fruitful and increase, and I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. And this lacking thing, it's impressive to think that right now it's believed that Israel has the most sophisticated military in the world. They do, Uh, they shall not be lacking, they shall be able to defend themselves. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord the Lord our righteous. In Ezekiel, the Bible said in verse chapter 3, 37 verse 21, And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whether they be gone, and I will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all, and they shall be no more two nations, Israel and Judah, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms anymore at all, neither shall they defile themselves anymore with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions, but I will save them out of their dwelling places wherein they have sinned, and I will cleanse them, so shall they be my people, and I will be their God. In Ezekiel 36 verse 1, Also thou son of man prophesy unto the mountains of Israel and say, You mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Verse 8, But you, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people of Israel, for they are at hand to come. When I was in Israel in 1999, they had done so much work planting fruit trees and all of that thing, all of that stuff, It was pointed out to us by our tour guide that at least at that time Israel was the third largest fruit exporter in the world. It's about the size, Israel is about the size of the state of Connecticut. And one-third of the fruit of this world comes from that tiny land because these people in the early 1900s decided to start planting trees and planted trees they did. And it is feeding part of our world of its wonderful, wonderful fruit. Verse 24, For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Ezekiel 37, 21, and saith to them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whether they be gone, and will gather them on every side, and bring them into their own land. I read all of that to say, God said it over and over and over in the Old Testament, that you're going to be dispersed, but don't worry about it. I'm going to bring you back. And bring them back. He has done. And it has been a phenomenal miracle that that many people, several million people, are now inhabiting their homeland that was given to them by God during the time of Abraham. So let me go through some redundancy. You search through history for a sovereign nation of Israel. Would you see that in 500 B.C.? No. 300 B.C.? No. 100 B.C.? No. 200 A.D.? No. 500? No. 1000 AD, 1400 AD, 1700 AD, 1800 AD, 1900 AD. No, you wouldn't see a place called Israel on the map. But in the year 1948, yes, you do. There it is, May the 14th, 1948. So, how has the world reacted to such a profound fulfillment of Bible prophecy? It is a miracle that can be documented by simply looking at a map and a Bible. Remember, God uses prophecy to prove that He is who He says He is and to authenticate the warnings and the promises that are found in the Bible. The Bible warns of a series of events which shall change the world forever. It does. People ignore that now. They're not paying attention to it hardly anymore. I remember when I was a kid, prophecy was a big deal. It's not such a big deal as it was. People, oh, I've heard that. I've heard that. We've we've reached the point where people are beginning to ask where is a sign of His coming. It's all around us. It's everywhere. But people have blinded eyes and so on. The Bible warns a series of events which will change the world forever would begin after... Israel would once again become a sovereign nation after almost 2,500 years. God said that he would regather them back to their land. I want everybody to understand here tonight, and I'm closing. On May the 14th, 1948, if there was ever a landmark time there was ever a landmark time when the prophetical clock started ticking again it happened on May the 14th 1948 and just because just because the rapture hasn't taken place yet and all of that just because none of that's happened doesn't mean it's not going to I don't want anyone here tonight to feel like we still have a long time to go before God raptures his church. Sister Murphy will tell you that numerous times over the past couple of weeks that all this began in Israel with Hamas and now there's other players. I would come out of my office of watching things on my computer and I would come out and and say, man, you gotta hear about this and and did you hear about this and do you know this is going on? it's, it's had my heart really, really stirred. I'm stirred for myself, I'm stirred for my family, but I'm also stirred for the countless people I know right now that thinks they still have a lot of time to get their heart right with God. I don't believe we do. I can't find in the Bible where you have another 50 years or even another 20 years. We've joked about it and laughed about it. I thought when I was a teenager that the rapture would take place before I could get married and graduate from high school and, and have kids. We're still here. Sister Murphy and I are 45-plus years being married now. But if we thought it was close back then, how much closer are we today? We have to understand tonight, It's no time to be playing around with your relationship with God. And for all the multitudes of people that I know, even preachers that I know that used to preach the entirety of this book, now just pick and choose the good parts and just wanna preach that. My heart trembles for those people because I don't hear prophecy out of any of these people ever. They don't don't talk about it. I I think they're uncomfortable talking about it because when you get into it, when you get into it, you realize just how close as this goes on, next Wednesday night, Lord willing, there's seven more, um, not, I'll just say rarely read prophecies about Israel that I wanna share with you and then we'll move forward into more, what you might would consider prevalent prophecy. But um, you will see that God has all of this in his hands. And I, I, I prayed last night, I'd walk through the house, pray, God, I trust you, God, I trust you. I don't know what's gonna happen, The United States is getting drug into this. You know, we have two aircraft carriers. The the, the biggest one we have is in that region now. And somebody pushes the wrong button. Uh, God only knows what it would do to our economy, uh, to jobs. Uh, We're trying to bounce back from COVID in some way. And now we have this going on. And we have the, the, the situation with Ukraine. I think you need to have your faith settled. As Brother Dave said, you need to have your faith set and settled and your relationship with God, He He knows all of this from the end, the end from the beginning, and He's got not only Israel in the palm of His hand, but He has His church in the palm of His hand. And I thank God I'm a part of it. Thank the Lord. Everybody say Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. So this is an introduction. I wanted you to see how God dispersed them, brought them back. The tremendous miracle of this happening with all these people. Um, God has his hand on them. And uh, next week we're going to do a little bit more of that. Y'all come back, do a little bit more of that. And then we'll jump into some more things. I want to talk about the red heifer, the antichrist, all of that. And um, I understand right now, as a matter of fact, Israel believes they have five red heifers that are without blemish. They're perfect except for their age. Need to be at least three years old. They're they're too young right now to sacrifice. They will need that in mid tribulation, and they already have five that will be in two more years. They'll be old enough to sacrifice. Think about that, and they're very happy about it. Um, and some of these have been raised on their own soil. So God's bringing all this around. He's bringing it all around, and uh, I'm looking forward to the time when I hear the trumpet sound and we'll be called away in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. Thank the Lord. God bless you tonight. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. You're dismissed. In the beautiful name of the Lord. And we'll see you Sunday morning.